There we go. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. Hit it, baby. Yeah, yeah. There we go. There we go. I've never used YouTube before, so I don't know where like the comments and stuff come up at. One sec. Oh, I got a notification. Oh yeah, there we go. Let's do it. So I think we're we're on, yeah. Yeah, no, we're live right now. I just don't oh, yeah. comments and stuff come up at. Cool. Yeah, I, I got my phone so I'll make sure I keep an eye on it, Johnny. Okay, cool. Here we go. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talk Junkies, baby, <laughs> where we are live in my motherfucking basement. I can finally say it. I'm saying it. We are live. <laughs> and it means it. We are live. We are live. Uh, feels good. Feels great. I wish Jesse was here, but hey, man, well, he'll be here eventually. Um, here we are. We're just live. My heart's beating. It's, I don't know why. You've only said live about 50 times before when it was <laughs> never true. Yeah. I'm going to turn the volume up on here and see if I can make make sure everything's good. Yeah, everything sounds good. Cool. Well, um, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talk Chunkies, where we are live from my basement. Got Johnny, Carl in the house. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Good, good. How you doing? Doing fantastic, thank you. Uh, Johnny, doing well? Good, good. Glad to be here, man. We got a fantastic guest on tonight, but before we get into that, um, last week's podcast was very interesting. Uh, definitely didn't get, get enough traffic that I thought it should have. We had a gentleman on that I met from work. Um, oh, got a comment. Liberty Revolutionary, we're doing well. Thanks for asking. Um, didn't get up traffic that I think, um, because Kevin was a very brilliant guy, had a lot of really good information about the stock market, gas prices, all that stuff, inflation. So, tune into last week's podcast, man. Check it out. Really I, I enjoyed that one. I like talking to him about the stock stuff and just everything. He was really obviously well informed because he's been doing it for 30 years, but it yeah. was a good one. Yeah, yeah, check it out. Well, we have an OG in the house, I could tell you that. Dan, what's going on, my man? Not much, man. Just glad to be back. I'm glad you guys have been doing so well. Yeah, we're, we're trying. We're pushing, trying to beat the algorithms and all that stuff. You're an OG here at Talk Junkie, so it's only suiting to have you be the first gentleman on, on the show being live. I am I am very appreciative. I'm glad that you guys chose me. Hell yeah, I'm man. I'm really happy about that. Well, there's a lot to talk about, man. I mean, the world's going array right now. Everything's going kind of weird. Uh, Liberty Revolutionary, haven't talked to you in forever. Uh, hey, you got to tune in, man. We're going live now, so uh, hopefully we do this each and every single week. We'll be able to get the guests uh, interacted. No, that's just, uh, it should be good. Oh, okay. Um, you keep talking, Paul. I'll double-check yeah. the yeah. technical difficulties. So we'll be, we'll, we'll have, sorry, as the more people tune in, we'll be able to answer questions that you guys have during the podcast. But, Dan, like I said, a lot of stuff going on in the world today, pretty crazy stuff. Like I said, inflation, gas prices. We talked about this, the stock side of it last week, but we can kind of probably dive into that a little bit more uh, on our side on how we feel about it without concerning the stocks and stuff and what do we really know type of thing. Um, but today, I mean, we, we've always kind of talked about it, but I don't think we really went in depth about it. And I don't know if I've really even asked you, um, why didn't the founding fathers really get it right on term limits? Well, they didn't get it right on term limits because there was never supposed to be career politicians. Um, and all of the, all of the responsibilities for all of our representatives are, and, and what their duties 
and the limits on their powers are all listed in the Constitution. And so they didn't really see any reason to do any term limits because realistically, if you look at, at what it is that these people are allowed to do, they're very restricted in what it is that they can do. And it's not a job that anybody is really going to be that excited about. But then we had a, a turn that happened where all of a sudden these politicians figured out that they could get very wealthy from being in office. And, you know, that sort of that sort of flipped the whole thing. One of the biggest problems that we have, and, and this was something that George Washington mentioned in, in uh, uh, one of his addresses, one of his speeches, was that, you know, political parties were a very, very bad thing. They were they were a, a bane to to our our republic and our constitutional uh, our, our constitutional governance, because as soon as you start with a with a political party, that political party has an agenda and they and they go out and make promises based on their agenda of what it is they're going to have the government do. Well, there's no reason for us to have any political parties, any political parties in this country. Because what elected officials can do is already laid down in stone. The only reason that you would need a political party would be if you were going to try and try and get people together to do an amendment to the Constitution. And that doesn't that doesn't apply to any elected officials. You know, that would that would be the main the, the main thing that you'd be doing with a political party. That's as far as they really should legitimately be able to go. So but for us to, to leave Britain, right? Wasn't it Britain or the UK or wherever, where, where, or wherever we left to come to the United States or to come England. to America and to England. Sorry. Sorry. I need to brush up on my history before the podcast. Damn. Um, it was ruled by King and Queens. So they had to have known when they came here and they got the constitution going and then they, they made this beautiful document. They had to have known that if they, like you said, it was never the intention for people to be, to be career politicians. And I know that the, the landscape of how that society was in that time, they probably didn't think of it. But they had to have known that eventually these people would try and be kings and queens again. And they didn't really address that, you know, in the Constitution via term limits. Well, you know, part of the reason they didn't do that was because they didn't want to become a dictatorship on, you know, of themselves with this Constitution. They wanted to allow us, you know, some some freedom of movement. So they tried to cover as many of the big bases as they could. And they sort of left everything else because really... The Constitution, when you when you really stop and take a look at it, we don't have rights in the Constitution. We have responsibilities, you know. And when a right is listed in our in our Constitution, when it when a right is discussed as far as we have the right to, that's not in there to give us anything or grant us anything or 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 anything like that. That's to place restrictions and prohibitions on the government. That's as far as it goes. You know, it's like, hey, Paul, this thing is yours. And now I'm going to tell you, Johnny, what you can't do with it. So now, Johnny, you know that's Paul's, and you can't touch it. Under these circumstances is the only only way that you're going to be allowed to put your hands on this thing. That's it. right? And that's the way the Constitution was intended. So, you know, when, when we start looking at, at it's it's possible to go back and make criticisms of the, of the Constitution in, in hindsight. And based on what's historically happened, but we have to remember that when the revolution happened and we broke away from England, we weren't a unified 13, we were a unified 13 colonies, but we were not a unified people. 
there was still a lot of people here who were not happy about the fact that we were not part of England. And they, they worked for a long time, very hard to try and undermine the government that was here. You know, and some of them were pretty successful. John Marshall, one of the first chief justices of the United States, he did a very famous and, and, and often quoted um, decision that really started our court system down a very, very um, treasonous path with Madison, uh, Marbury versus Madison. And he set up this whole idea that we're supposed to have uh, case law and, and, you know, the courts can make decisions. A court can make a decision in one case that affects all other courts. And that's absolutely against our Constitution. Case law is, is absolutely something that is illegal under our Constitution. But it was something that the King of England was able to use effectively when he passed power to Parliament. He passed power to Parliament, kept, troll, kept control of the, of the courts. And so he didn't care what Parliament did because he just told the judges, listen, this is not, you got to do something about this law. And they just do a couple of, of, of rulings. And the next thing you know, Parliament's law has no teeth to it. Does that make sense? Dan, correct me if I'm wrong on this because I want to. I'm, I'm not well educated on it. But when you're talking about case law and stuff like that, isn't isn't case law still technically not law? Like you just use it for references. I mean, I know a lot of times it goes through, but I thought it was like, for example, let's say the Supreme Court made a decision, uh, the big one, you know, Roe versus Wade. I can't remember, but all these different whatever they make a decision, and in the future there's a case that kind of has to deal with that same kind of decision thing just because that previous case existed doesn't mean that the new one has to go that way legally. They can only use that previous case law or whatever as a reference for whatever they're, whatever they're discussing, whatever they're, you know. Well, that's, that's the way, that's the way that it's oftentimes presented, but the way that actually works is they'll, they'll use that case and, and the judges will be like, well, this other court, which is, which, Sometimes it's a higher court. Sometimes it's not. They'll say this other court's already made this decision about this. 90 years ago. Yeah. And we're not willing to go against what they said. And it's like, well, really and truly, what they said has no application to this case. Because I have different facts and everything. But you're right. It's not supposed to be anything. It's only supposed to be used for reference. But, you know, again, judges overstep their authority all the time. And the next thing you know, they're doing whatever they can do to sway that case in a direction that they want it to go. I just wanted to make sure that technically on paper it was, because that's what I was under the impression is, is that it's not like you don't have to, you can't like a case comes in and you say, oh, this case has already been discussed before, so we're going to go with this and we're going to throw it out because legally we can. So they're kind of, they're still doing that, but I'm saying on paper, they're not really supposed to be. Right. Well, they get a lot of, they get a lot of push from, from, uh, because, you know, judges, judges are lawyers themselves and, you know, we talk about judges making decisions and everything like that, but you got you got lawyers in there playing the game as well. And the lawyers will put pressure on the judges and they'll they'll say flat out to them, well, judge, you, you can't say that because I've got this case law and it's supported by this decision and the Supreme Court used this case law and this decision. Blah, blah. They'll stack all this other stuff up. And the next thing you know, this judge is looking at facing, you know, eight other courts who made who made decisions based on that. And, and, you know, he's got one side that's telling him to ignore all that and look at the facts. And he's got this other, this other lawyer saying, you can't. And if you do, I'm going to, I'm going to appeal it. And no judge wants any case that comes through their court to be overturned or appealed. Mm -hmm. 
know, but the, the, the truth is, is that the judges are not supposed to be making any rulings on these cases. That's not their job in our in our country. It's the jury's job. I was going to say, Liberty. Right. I can't remember the real name, and I feel like an asshole. It was Caleb. Caleb. Sorry, yeah. Caleb. He's Caleb saying in the comments, and he puts it in a good way. He says, case law is layman's terms for an unconstitutional doctrine of star decisis. I don't know how to. The concept of using previous cases rather than ratified debate and original definitions. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it, case law is case law is lazy, but you know, like I said, Marbury versus Madison started us down that path. And Marbury versus Madison, I think, was in 1800, 1803, something like that. It was early, early on. So that's when they found and, out that they could take over and just kind of do whatever they want to go against the Constitution. Was the early 1800s? Right. Like you said, he was the first right. chief justice. So that's right. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, what he was the chief justice. Yeah, and that was that was something that that um, Thomas Jefferson, who was president at the time, regretted till the till his dying day that he didn't stand up to to um, John Marshall on that whole thing because he saw in the in the time that it, between he when he was president and he died, he watched the change that happened in our country because because the courts, especially the Supreme Court, was able to to really and truly. Um, become its own legislative body and, and dictate um, the direction that the government and, and expand its powers in directions that the Constitution forbids. The, Supreme, the, the fact that the Supreme Court is, that everybody just accepts that they interpret the Constitution is, is crazy to me. Because like, it's, it's biased. No, I know. Well, not that, it's it. just we've been like, I hate using the term brainwashed because that's not the right term. We've been like socially like brought up to believe that, yeah, the, the Supreme Court, it's the highest of all the courts. It's the highest powers. They can say what the Constitution means. I'm like, that's not what that is at all. Like, they should have no right. say. And we've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. And we even see it on the news on the news programs. Even the even the, the news programs that are, that are somewhat legit, they'll say something. Well, Congress has just passed this law, but we'll see what the Supreme Court has to say about it because this is a controversial subject. And it's like, well, the yeah, Supreme Court has no— Supreme Court doesn't get a say. So would you say, are the Republicans, so within this conversation, we'll try and apply it to Roe v. Wade with the Republicans trying to get rid of it type of thing. It got leaked mm-hmm. or whatever, and I don't know how true it is or if it's really going to happen. But That whole thing was weird. That leak was weird. Everything about yeah. that. Like, I so, felt like there was an alternative motive there. I don't know. But is, is that motive, is it the Republicans trying to, is it them trying to, that's their agenda is to get rid of Roe v. Wade. But is it? I think overall that's a benefit to what we're talking about to get rid of something like that. That way they can't reference that every time that they're in court and a judge has to, you know, look at the back of his head or think in the back of his head, well, man, if I don't go with Roe v. Wade, then it's going to get appealed or whatever, like you said. Mm-hmm. Is it the Republicans' motive? Is it just because it's what they want? Or maybe they're trying to do what we're talking about and just get rid of case law when it comes to abortion. There's, it's motive. There's, there's no way that they're – sorry to interrupt. There's yeah. no way that they're using this to get rid of case law. They're they're doing this specifically Political for Roe, Roe v. Wade, the abortions that like they didn't pick an abortion one to get rid of case law. For you know sure. what I mean? I know. And I'm just curious what Dan's thoughts are on that, because, I mean, it gives power back to the states when it comes to abortion. Well, I mean, I guess. Well, there's there, none of these none of these these political parties are going to do anything really to upset the power structure as it is. I mean, for one thing, none of these idiots has any idea what the Constitution says and they're not they don't care. They have their own agenda, and and what they have in place now, they look at at what it is and and how it is that they can use the current system to expand their own personal power. 
you know, and to expand the power of, of each of these parties. So getting rid of Roe v. Wade gives gives the Republicans some some political power, you know, with their constituents because it's been an unpopular decision for a long time. But Johnny's right; they're not going to touch case law with all that because, you know, half of them don't even don't even grasp the fact that that what the Supreme Court can do and not do is already listed in the Constitution, and you know that case law is is absolutely illegal. Yeah. Very true. So do you do you think that, and again, I'm just kind of reverting back a little bit, do you think that adding term limits now is something that, an amendment we can make? Because what do we need? Two-thirds of the states to ratify something like that. And how do we go about getting two-thirds of the states to want to do that, to get term limits on these people that way they're not lifelong politicians and lobbying and lining their pockets like you just talked about? Well, honestly, I think I think that... that um Term, term limits might be useful, but I think there's some other things that we'd need to do first. Um, but as far as if we're just going to talk about term limits, I think there's some I think there's some 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 dangerous side effects of term limits that people aren't looking at. I think they're looking at these career politicians and they're saying we need to get them out. Well, some of these career politicians, for for better or worse, at, at some point they become powerful enough to where they don't have to stay on a leash anymore. And you know, sometimes that works out well and sometimes it doesn't. But with these, if we do term limits, we're going to have a whole bunch of, of, of rookies in there all the time at the mercy of the machine. You know, and, and don't think for a second that, that, that Nancy Pelosi and, and, and all these other people don't have uh, uh, career government employees that, that, you know, cycle through. You know, the staff in a lot of these, in a lot of these congressional offices don't change. You know, they'll change their top people, but the regular people stay. And that entrenched bureaucracy right there is something that has a powerful sway over what these guys can say and do or will say and do, you know, less so as they've been there long enough, you know, but when you've got somebody coming in, I mean, we saw it with, with uh, South Carolina representative Nancy Mace, you know, she went in and she got swept in by the system. You know, I'm still not happy about, you know, what she did, but she got swept in by the system and, and, and she's so spineless that she just, they just walked her right through and told her exactly what to do. And she did exactly what they told her from day one. So, you know, I think that's the flip side of, of the, the, the term limit debate. I mean, I think we got to look at that too. I was going to say, I want to add on to that as for like just playing devil's advocate, like the downside of term limits, two things, one right off the bat. And this is like with every subject we've talked about, it goes so much deeper into corruption and greed and all this stuff. There's so many other problems that would have to be fixed to even get to the term limit problem, you know? But even then, let's say that all those problems were fixed. Another issue you run into, like you said, having rookies and stuff like that in there. But even without that, now you have people who are limited to like, let's say it's three years or whatever. That's their limit or whatever. They're like, okay, I've made it to this point. I've got the power. And they're not there for the good of the rest of the country they're like, I only have three years to get as much money as possible. Kind of like these CEOs at corporations that are like, they basically break apart and destroy the long-term health of a company for mm-hmm. short-term like stock stockholders and stock options and all this so that they get a big bonus. They're like, I'm only going to be CEO for two years, but I'll be damned if I'm not getting that $43 million bonus year one and that $50 million bonus year two because I'm going to make stock prices go up. Who cares if this, what we're doing right now 
hurts the long-term reputation of the company. And I see that being the same thing with term limits as far as like the United States government goes. Yeah. Like the CEOs who come in and, and, uh, they realize that they need to raise revenue or raise raise profits, so they'll go in and they'll fire a whole bunch of essential people. Exactly. Or fire or just fire a lot of the workforce, put all the pressure on the rest of the guys, and it doesn't matter because those guys who are working this extra time, they'll work for two years before they finally just give out and quit. Yeah, and it looks you good know, on paper to the time, stockholders. You know, he's got and... his bonus and moved on. Exactly. Well, I mean, something's. Yeah, got I it. see what you're saying too. That's that's a point I hadn't really thought about so much with term limits, but that's that's definitely a danger as well. I understand you say that there are things that need to be fixed before we look at something like that. But if we don't do anything, and I know that's not what you guys are saying, you see where not having term limits has led us. So this is the landscape that we're in, and we see exactly what it is, and it's very frustrating to live in moments like this. And not having term limits on what? Because I'm not, once again, not well-educated on this. I know that president is four years Senators, I believe, have a term limit, and House doesn't. So, president gets yeah. two terms. Two terms of two four, terms of four, four years. years each, and then mm-hmm. but then technically so, ten years is the max they could come in. Yeah, because the president come, dies. Yeah. yeah, but so ignoring the president, we all know the president terms and how that works. What about like the Senate and the House? Bernie, and all? I, I don't know the terms. Yeah. Is what I'm getting for at. Senate. There is no. There's no there's elected officials. Senator is six years. Okay, and then there, there's but there's no limit on the number of terms they can serve. How many terms? Uh, yeah, okay, yes. okay. That's I'm I'm trying to get the actual like the data. You know what I mean? Yeah, senators and House representatives. There's no max term limits. They can be lifelong no. politicians. Okay, right. but what I'm saying is, it's you know, like look where this has led us. So I mean, it's like we we can't just sit back and continue to allow this to happen. And I know you said you would do other things first. So I'm kind of curious what those things are. Obviously, I don't think that lobbying should be allowed within Congress and all this shit. Whatever, maybe that's one of the bigger ones. Lobbying I, and I, donations I, to campaign funds, all that shouldn't be allowed. But I, I think that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm more or less willing to take the risk of having term limits invoked to, because I think that the outcome would be better than what it is, what we have right now. You know what I'm saying? Because right now it's terrible, Dan. It's not... It's. <laughs> Well, here's the way. Here's sort of the way that I that that I look at it with with all of this is, um, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like you're you're in your car and your stereo is not working exactly the way that you want it to. You know, you can either go to the stereo shop and you can get them to put in a brand new stereo, or you can look in your owner's manual and figure out how to work it. Right, and if you figure out how to work it and it's still not doing okay, then maybe you should go to the stereo store, but. We still got to look at the owner's manual and figure out how to make this thing work the way it's supposed to before we start trying to. That's my point. I'm going to buy a new car. Yeah, (laughs) that's the term limit. You get a new new politician. Stereo's stereo's broken. Let's get a whole new car. There's a there's a lot of people who who want to do that. You know, they they uh, they they. uh, You know, I talk to people all the time that, that, you know, start talking about the Constitution, everything like that. And I'm like. You know, it's great that you have this great idea that, you know, something different that we that that we're going to do. And Johnny, I'm not saying you're saying that. No, no, I was just making a joke about the car. But But, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, the uh, um, the thing is, is that is that uh, these people have these great ideas and and I'm going, okay, well, that's super. But you're going to tell me that you have an idea that's better than than this room full of geniuses that came together for a moment in time for a single purpose. They were they were of single mind with all of this, and they didn't come out of it with an agreement on what they had written. But they came out to agree. You know, they said they said, um, 
we will agree that this is to be this is to be presented and taken as it's written. You know, I wanted something to be different, but the argument's over. I'm on board with this, guys. I, I said my piece. I said what I wanted. You guys outvoted me, so I'm supporting what what we've all come to agree on for the good of everything else. And you know, so when you have people who come in with these ideas like socialism and communism, or or you know, even libertarianism, and they not they're not sitting there and finding that basis in the Constitution, then you know, basically what they're saying is is that we're just going to throw America away and do it you know the way that that me and my buddies who you know were sitting around talking at the bar one day the idea that we came up with or some you know half retarded guy like Karl Marx hey you know, dan we're going to have to have a uh, we're going to have to have a separate conversation sometime it'll be interesting because and don't hate me for this cuz everybody's got their own views i'm and both of them know this i'm a little bit of a i'm a little bit of a communist We'll keep that for a separate well, conversation. A separate number, conversation a fair for, number of people who are, yeah, there's a fair number of people who are until they find out what communism really is, because communism. This is the thing. This is the thing that that most people don't realize, is that is that most people who are communists don't know that they are, because communism has been very good at selling itself to be things that it's not. Like it is not Christian at all. It is not. It is not altruistic at, at all. It is not charitable at all. Uh, communism is, in, at the end of the day, a very brutal and authoritarian form of government. There is no give in it. There is no charity in it. There is no nicety to it. It's it's dressed up in flowerly, you know, flowerly language and everything. You know, from what is it? Uh, um, the uh, what? I can't remember. There's a there's a phrase that they that they use about you know the people who who can do stuff. Um, should do it and they should give it to the people who can't there's a there's a phrase that that um carl marx said about that that, that sounded very jesus-y mm-hmm. when he said it but there's nothing at all about about communism once you really once you really tear it away from its propaganda that is in any way shape or form good or useful or right or just it's just not that's why i said on you a know, on a separate time We'll have to have this discussion <laughs> because I've looked into it a lot as well. And there's the things like people often, I guess what I'm saying is there's uh, there's blindness on both sides of it. There's definitely blindness on my side of it, on the communist side of it, but there's blindness on your side of it as well. People always compare communism to like the USSR and stuff like that. When the USSR was never communist, sure, they put it on paper, but they were a uh, state Ran, so we are like a company ran capitalism or whatever. They were state capitalism. Like they were the USSR was never actually communist. And a lot of people don't realize that, that it was state capitalism the entire time. There's a whole bunch of let me do a little more research. We'll have this talk sometime, Dan. You do you oh, do your research on your end. I, I'm down with this. I'm not going to do it on this podcast, but I'm, I'm down with this conversation. All right. That sounds good. No, it'd be a good podcast. Just we've never yeah. we've never done that like true capitalism versus true anarchy anarchy versus yeah different true. forms of because then there's different there's difference between a communist government and a communist form of like economy and all this different stuff and yeah. same with capitalism and all it'll be a i'm not going to get into it right now because it's been a while since i've read up on it and i want to know my facts so mm-hmm. well i'll tell you i'll tell you one thing one thing to, to start off so to make sure that we're both on the same page with all of this is one thing to start off with is is you know, a political spectrum. And I think we've talked about this before on, on the podcast is, is, 
you know, most of the time we're sold a political spectrum where you have, you know, the right is fascism and the left is communism and all that stuff. And, you know, that's not really a true political spectrum. You know, the, the true political spectrum is authoritarianism is on the left hand side and um, anarchy is on the right hand side. So zero governments on one end and 100 percent governments on the other. Mm-hmm. And when you break things down like that, then all of these different ideologies um, get stripped away from all their their propaganda. They can't hold their propaganda anymore because it's like, OK, so how are you going to do this? Well, uh, we're going to dictate it to everybody. Oh, okay. So you're a leftist. No. <laughs> yeah. No, that's no. I get anyway, no. That's so a really no. Honestly, there, that's a really good way of putting there, it. Then that way, we can we can you know we'll have something to to sort of have a foundation to to work from. So we're not because the ideologies you know the ideologies get thrown all back and forth. You know that's right wing. That's left wing. It's like mm, how are you gonna how are you gonna make that happen? You know we're gonna do it voluntarily. Okay. Well, that's more right wing than anything we're going to we're going to pass a law and make everybody do it oh that's left wing yeah they so. the political landscape's changing ever so so fastly yeah do you have some crow no so I, I we'll kind of jump into a little bit i know we hit term limits up a little bit but i mean obviously we, we definitely have to get into this but the push for the second amendment right now is up, is up in up in arms and mm-hmm. it, for the push against it real quick uh caleb made a valid point and i need to look more into it um he said I know you sit on the line of ANCOM, which is basically a communal structure without government. A better word for it is mutualist or mutualism, probably. I added the mutualism part, but um, anyways, just wanted to get his comment out there. For sure. And he, he definitely. If that's where you sit, if that's where you sit, Johnny, then you're a constitutionalist. I have no problem with our constitution, by the way. I have no problem. The, my biggest thing, and I don't want to get too much into this because I don't want to like digress on the podcast. My biggest thing, and I'll try to shorten it up because I've talked about it a lot, is I feel that greed and the love of money and the love of power, and I'm not, I'm not Christian, by the way, but this is you know kind of from the Bible or whatever, talking about the, the want of money, it leads to evil and all this. I, I don't think that it's right for a multi-billionaire who has the ability to do good and house the homeless and feed people and stuff like that to not do that good. I feel like it is their um, obligation as a member of humanity, not of society, but as a member of this species of humanity, I feel like it is their obligation to do good for other people. And vice versa, I will always try to do good for other people myself. Mistakes are made. Mistakes happen. But in general, that's I feel like more that whole golden rule thing, treat others like you want to be treated kind of thing. It's just very. And it's weird because you can't force people to do that because then you end up, you know, dictating and writing into law what should be done, which is like what you said, a bad thing. And I agree with that. But on the other hand, on the other end, it's very hard to sit here in this chair and know that there are people with the amount of power and money to change the world for the better, for the majority of humans, and they don't do that. And that's hard for me to accept as a human being. Like, I don't, I don't have any more on it than that. So that's why the whole communist viewpoint kind of comes into play for me, I guess I would say. Mm-hmm. Well, the, 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 thing to, the thing to remember about this accumulation of wealth in the hands of a few, a few people, that is, that is 
something that is required for any centralized authoritarian governmental structure. And it's going to do that with the economy as well as with the, the, the just straight governmental structure, because it has to have its tentacles in everything. So, so this accumulation of wealth that we're seeing is something that goes hand in hand with authoritarian government. And, you know, when you really talk about, um, when you really talk about capitalism, capitalism is individualistic, you know, and so you don't have, you don't end up having uh, a large, a large amount of, of capital or, or excuse me, not capital. You don't have a large amount of money and resources being accumulated by uh, single people because they don't have a corporate structure that they can rely on. Capitalism doesn't encourage that. You know, that kind of, that kind of structure is not something that's sustainable under, you know, a capitalist economy, because when you get into the market and suddenly, you know, like a, a GM, you know, GM has this huge corporate structure. And what GM did is they started, they started, uh, um, instead of making all the parts for their cars, they started forming these other companies or hiring these other companies to start making parts for their cars for them. And so, you know, they ended up with this huge pyramid of all of these companies that suddenly were relying on them, you know, that, that as GM went, they were going to go as well. And, you know, that accumulation of, of, of money and power was something that they were able to do because of the, of the control of the market that they were able to get through that corporate structure, a lot of which came because of government, mm -hmm. you know, government contracts and everything came to them. But the thing that I like to, to, to look at with, with when we start talking about uh, things like capitalism is, um, you know, where would, a, where would the idea for capital and capitalism come from? Because, you know, capital is an interesting word. You know, capital means head. Capital punishment used to mean they'd cut your head off, right? We take it now to mean they're going to kill you, but that's what they used to do. If you were going to be, if you're going to have capital punishment, they were going to cut your head off. So when we start talking about capital, um, it's not really money, right? Because money and, and your head don't have anything to do with each other. But what does have something to do with your head is ideas. And that's sort of where, where capital, the idea of capitalism, I think, comes from is you had all these people who didn't have money and resources, but they had ideas. And they came to these people and they said, you know, I got this idea for something to do. And, you know, it sort of became this this switched around thing because you'd have to present this idea to somebody who had the money and resources to be able to do it. And they would approve or disapprove of it. And so that's sort of where the thing got tangled up. But ideas are really what what capitalism is all about. And, that's, you know, in, in that's dangerous, a system though. like that's dangerous. That's when, dangerous whenever they don't have the resources to do it and they have to go to someone who's rich and does have the resources mm -hmm. and they have the power to either say yes or no. It's a lot of power. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of power for capitalism and in and, and the few in the in the hands of very few people. Well, you know, and that's the that's one of the things that was so great about America is that is that we had uh, such a such a tremendous amount of opportunity and an economy that was so strong that, um, you know, I'm sure I've mentioned this before. You know, we, we our economy was so strong and our our money was so strong that in 1800 you could buy a horse for twenty dollars. And then in 1900, you could still buy a horse for twenty dollars. Oh, yeah. So, so there was no real change, and that is something that allowed people to be able to, to get money together to pursue their ideas. And that was one of the things that really drove the growth 
of America is that is that we had people who were able to go out and in a short period of time through working hard, you know, this ethic of hard work, that's where that comes from is is it's not just the fact that you go out and work hard. It's the fact that you could actually make some real money. You know, I mean, you could go and buy a week's worth of groceries with a nickel at one point. Well, and you can't do that now. But, you know, I mean, half your paycheck goes to goes to groceries now. And see, that's where I think that some of the greed that I was talking about from these higher up, from these, you know, I won't call it capitalism, but from these corporations, from everything like that, that greed is what really hurts us because I feel like, and I'm probably, maybe I'm over-exaggerating, but there's other times where I feel like I'm really not over-exaggerating when people don't realize that a lot of the, well, first off, the middle class has basically disappeared. You're basically, you're either poor or you're wealthy. There's not a much of middle room and people don't realize that. But also the fact that like we all in a way, yeah, we have our freedoms. We have, yes, it's not a third world country. We have, we're on the internet right now streaming. You know what I mean? Like I can go home and watch Netflix and jerk off and do whatever I want. Like, yes, I'm free, quote unquote free. But at the same time, we do have a certain level of indentured servitude where we're not free. We are working for these higher ups where it's like, if you don't go to work, you don't get the basic right of survival. You don't have a house. You don't have water. You know, you don't have water. You don't have food. You don't have shelter unless you're working for one of these companies kind of thing. Right. As to where, like, I'm, I'm not opposed to hard work. I'm not opposed to working for oneself to make those things happen. But the more these companies have grown, it has made it harder. And with the government's assistance doing stuff mm-hmm. like you can't collect rainwater, you can't own your own land, all this different stuff, they've made it to where we are indentured servants and people don't realize it. Yeah. It's not as bad as it was back in the day, but we are still in a form of indentured servitude. There are people that the fact that 60% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, that's insane. That is indentured servitude. That is exactly what that is. There's no other way to look at it. 70% of Americans don't have enough money saved away for a, a, a small emergency. Yeah. And it's, it's a lower number. There's it's, yeah, it's like, so I know 60% live paycheck to paycheck or something like that. It's like 40% don't have more than $600 in any, in any like account. And realistically that number's even skewed because even the people who have over $600 in those accounts probably still have debt, right? Yeah. which means they're negative, which means they're still in indentured servitude. And we've basically turned people into like debtors. It's like a debtor's prison kind oh, of situation. That's hundred percent what we live in. Yeah. And, and, and what is, what is $600 when you, when, you know, Average rent now is over a thousand. Yep. Huh. You know, so so you've got more than six hundred dollars in your in your savings account. All that means is is that you have enough money with your next two paychecks to maybe make rent if you don't have any other bills. You know. So oh, places want places I mean, want a, three times. They're like, oh, uh, rent is rent is thirteen hundred dollars, and you need to have at least three times that needs to be your monthly income. That's impossible on even slightly above minimum wage. Mm-hmm. so I, I don't know I don't have I guess what I'm getting at and I'll stop after this rant I will I'm, I'll be done but it's always bothered me that like I don't have a solution I really don't I don't have a solution other than people being better to each other kind of thing I really don't have a solution I don't have anything to say other than and I have to be careful what I say especially while live but that there are people who like you should not be a human being if you are only stepping on people below you and constantly consuming and hoarding 
resources, whether that be other people's time and labor or money or whatever it is, if you're like hoarding that, that, that makes you an evil individual, in my opinion. All well, my opinion, you know, the, but. Well, the thing, the thing with, with all of that that's, that's interesting to look at, when you see all of those different layers of stuff that's built into that, the government putting taxes on us so that you don't really own your own property, you know, the fact that, that inflation is not something that happens. Inflation is something that is created, you know, that steals wealth from us and makes it so that you and I have to work more hours to make the same amount of value in money. You know, there was a point in time in that same period of time between 1800 and 1900, you know, you could you could have somebody who worked really hard and accumulated some land and they could have two generations of people who just kind of sat around and and worked. I'm not saying they were lazy or anything, but they sat around, and they kind of worked and they didn't really have, you know, a, a, a great idea or anything like that. But they had this piece of land that they could work and make money and continue to take care of their family. And nobody was going to take that away from them. And that wealth, that was wealth that they could at, at some point, you know, two generations later, somebody could say, you know what, I've got this idea. And that wealth was sitting there for them to pull from to be able to do something. And that's gone now. You know, like you're talking about with people who live paycheck to paycheck, you know, people that don't have more than $600 in their bank account. 70% of Americans don't have enough money for a small emergency, not a big emergency, not somebody going to the emergency room. You know, nothing like that. Uh, you know, a couple of flat tires, an engine repair, 70% of Americans don't have that, that much money. And there's no reason for it to be like that because this America is still 30% of the world economy. The world economy. We are 70% or 30% of the world economy. And we're what, 5% of the population? <clears throat> I'm just throwing that out. We're probably less than that. But, the, you know, the the... The power that, that we have and, and, and everything, one of the things that's amazing about America and the Constitution is the power that it places in our hands, even when we're not using it. You know, our Constitution has been under attack for over 200 years, heavily. And it is such a, it is such a solid rock that they still haven't been able to crack it. They still have to go back to it and apologize and make excuses and come up with ways to get around it, you know, crafty little stuff. And then they got to sell it to us for 10, 15, 20 years. They're still trying to sell gun control. You know, mm -hmm. the Constitution was so well written that they haven't been able to figure out a way around it. And just wait, they're going to keep pushing and somebody's going to start doing like I've been saying. You know, here's the thing. It's like it's like, uh, you know, people ask, well, what do you need an AR-15 for? Give me one reason why you need an AR-15. Oh, I'll give you a reason. Because it's required in Article 1, Section 8, 9, and 10, and in, in uh, the Second Amendment. It's required. You are required to have weapons because you are the militia. And that's the source right there, Johnny. That's the thing. For all these reforms that you're really looking at, at wanting to make, it's all already in the Constitution. And I know that, you know, it sounds like I'm being this cheerleader guy if you really look and read at the Constitution and not just read it as like a historical document or read it as the way that that, you know, somebody has told you what it is, you know, because I caught myself doing this before. People would tell me this is what the Constitution says. And I would read this part of the Constitution and, and I'd look at it and go, I see how they're right. But I was just looking at that one small part. 
when I actually read the whole thing and then looked at how that part fit in, I'd be like, yeah, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, they're completely wrong because, um, you know, we have we have things that are within the Constitution that are justified are things that that our government is doing that are that they justify by particular sections of the Constitution, which, you know, they ignore the pieces around it that that define that, that that make that really, really clear. You know, like the uh, the necessary and proper clause is the one that they like to pull out all the time. You know, the 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 uh, Congress shall be empowered to, to, you know, write the laws and do whatever is necessary and proper to to carry out the foregoing powers. OK, it doesn't say necessary and proper to do whatever they want, it says the foregoing powers and then it lists them. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't go into all that. Right. Because if they go into all that, then all of a sudden, you know, the, the Federal Reserve is off the off the table. You know, Social Security is off the table. All these other things are off the table. It's not within their power to do. You know, sending our troops across the seas is not in their power. There is nothing within the Constitution that authorizes the government, even the chief executive, even the president of the United States, to send troops overseas to fight in a political war, you know, for a foreign government, you know, to to put into power a government that is friendly to you know, not our interests, because I don't care what they do in Vietnam, right? I don't care what they're doing in North Korea. I don't care, right? It doesn't affect me. You know, globalists want to say it does, but no, it doesn't really. Because when you really get down to it, if if America was to start was to start saying, you know what, everybody else, you can just forget about us. We're putting up a big wall and we're going to take care of America and y'all can all just, you know, drop dead for all we care, they probably would because America feeds the world still. You know, if not just through the the products that we produce, it's through the technology that we've sent out. And most of these people cannot maintain these machines, cannot maintain the ways that they do things without constant supervision and input from us. I mean, it's just, it's amazing when you really get down and look at what the Constitution pushed America to be and allowed America to be and the kind of people that Americans became because of the the freedom and the responsibility that was placed on us. And I think that's the part that we've lost a lot of nowadays is the fact that the Constitution lays responsibilities on us, you know, and those responsibilities are exactly what you keep talking about, you know, people doing things that don't you know that that are are selfish and self-centered and they're just like screw everybody else I'm going to get out all so, I can. Well the constitution is written so that it's like you know who cares what what you know it's not about you it's about our grandchildren's grandchildren. You know what I'm saying? It's about taking on responsibility and making sure that what what we're building and we're laying out is something that is a solid enough foundation that generations from now, you know, they're going to remember our names. Not because we did anything great, but just because of the fact that that we allowed for for them to be able to have the the freedoms, greater freedoms than than what we've had because of, you know, we have fallen asleep at the wheel and we've let things happen that should not. Yeah, it's become a very dangerous landscape, honestly, um, when it when it pertains to the Constitution. It's been it's a very dangerous landscape. And the reason I say that is, is you look at January 6th. and you see how they're still going hard on it right now. They're still trying to pro- prosecute. They're still trying to get a whole bunch of stuff done, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. 
there's a lot of things, man. We've had the, we've had this talk quite a bit about the constitution, Dan, when you come on and, and, and I'm honestly, I'm, I'm ready. I need answers, man. It's like whenever you're in, in the public education system, we've talked about it. It needs to be overhauled. We need to change the public education system. Something has to change. It's like, what is it that is, what is it that they're not teaching us about the constitution? Because you do learn about the constitution. You learn about the first 10 to 20 amendments. Uh, you learn about your local constitution. You, you take these tests, stuff like that. Granted, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a very deep dive into the constitution. Well, a, it's not very deep. And B, they teach it at too young of an age. Right. When you're incapable of understanding it. I'm pretty sure that I learned about the constitution when I was in fifth grade. Fifth or sixth grade. Which yeah. would have put me at like what? 10, 13, yeah. 12, something like that. I don't know. I can't yeah. do the math off the top of my head, but. That, yeah, that's so. Not. I mean, and, and that's a, that's probably a better answer. It's like maybe teaching it like, well, I mean, you need to know about it, but teaching it more in depth, maybe senior year or something like that. I don't know. But once again, and not to get not to get too big picture, but they don't want you to learn it for sure. No, I, and I agree with that. And, and I think that's where the deep or that's where it's become a very dark place, man. Again, we've had these talks quite a bit and I love the Constitution. I love the rock that you say it is. Dan, but unfortunately, man, and, and I'll say this every time that we have this discussion, man, like, oh, it's not you, followed. You, you see it. And, and again, not, not everything you see in the news is true. But my God, dude, what they're doing is they're literally it's diarrhea all over the Constitution, man, is what they're doing. They're not shitting on the Constitution. It's explosive diarrhea all over the Constitution, man. It's bad. And right, it's, But that's the thing is that they're not supposed to follow the Constitution. The Constitution is a contract between me and you. No, I understand that, but, it, the, but if you, yeah, if, the, that contract turns us into terrorists, bro. Basically. That's what the, that's what they want to call us. Right. That's what they want to call us. But the fact is, is that, is that the constitution is really like that list of rules that you left for the babysitter. And you said, you know, here's the deal. This is what, this is what the kids can and can't do while I'm gone. This is what you can and can't do while I'm gone. And you come back and, and you know, the babysitter didn't follow any of those rules. You've got a choice, you know? You're going to put your foot down, or you're just going to let it roll? Arr, they're more like guidelines. Hmm? Nothing, nothing. Well, I mean, you can let it roll as long as you want, but that, but those rules are still there. At any point in time, you can enforce them. But you can... And I think that's the, that's the thing, is that everybody is looking at, you know, um, this enforcement of the Constitution as being this big, scary thing. And, you know, it, it's not. You know, the thing is, is that, is that when you really start looking at the Constitution and you really start just taking apart what it is that the government is and is not allowed to do, if we just start pulling a few of those, you know, a few of those pieces out, you know, like who's, the, who's the Jenga thing, who is you know, we? the Jenga tower, who is we, you Dan? start pulling a few of those pieces out and the next thing you know, you know, things start to get a little unstable and the rats start hopping off that ship because... When you say that, who who are pulling these pieces of, of off the of the Jenga? Who is it? Everyone? Who is it? The American people and in, in whole have to do it. Well, it's gonna it's gonna end up being being a few people at at first. You know, people are gonna have to choose. You know, choose to do. You know what it is that, that they're doing. I, you know, I'm doing I'm doing it my way. You know, trying to to pick apart the system in 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 my own way with you know through the courts. Because I think the you know the courts is where I can get the most traction, but there's other people who are doing it other ways. And and once you know, I think for most people, you know, it's a matter of of seeing that something is working a little bit before they're willing to to hop in behind it. Unfortunately, you know, but I mean that's that's the way it is because a lot of people we've been set up in a situation where 
there's a lot at risk, you know, not just because, you know, there's, there's all this stuff that you could potentially lose, but you're right there on the, on the cusp of losing it anyway. I, I, I don't have the time to, to, you know, people say this, I, I don't have the time to do that. I got to go to work, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have to go to work. Yeah. You know, you have to do all this other stuff because you have to maintain and they've been putting the screws and putting the screws and putting the screws to us to make sure that, that as many of us as possible are at that subsistence level yep. so that we don't have the time yep. to go to, Jan- to, to go to Washington DC on January 6th to make our voices heard, you know, so that we don't have the time to go to the school board meetings and say, you know, yeah, you guys are not doing that. We're not doing this, this, you know, trans education stuff for our kids. We're not doing critical race theory. We're not doing that stuff. You know, so, so all of these bureaucrats get to get, get away with whatever it is that they think, you know, is best. And that's back to the indentured servitude thing where they just keep us so bit like you have to go to work. You have to do like you, you literally don't have time because if you take, if you take time out of your day to fight for your own country and for what you believe in and stand up for what you believe in, you're not going to be able to survive. But there's no, there, because, I, because I, you're either a treasonous, whatever, all that, or because you can't afford a place to live and, and water and food and all this other stuff. Now take take care of your kids, whatever it is. I, like, I agree with that in, in, indentured, indentured servitude or whatever, but you do see these videos of people do going to school boards and they're going against these things saying, Hey, why are you teaching my children? These things are, Going to, you know, or like you said, you go, you're going to the court and you're trying to do it. Or you have Missouri, like I said, uh, Caleb, thank you for tuning in, man. They got, they were a big proponent of getting the Missouri, the Second Amendment Preservation Act passed. So there, there are those people who are doing those things. But then in the wayside, mm-hmm. you see these things when they're trying to do these things, like in these videos, whenever these parents are at the school board, the school board members are just like, I'm not listening to you. You know, like, we don't really care. This is what we're going to do, and you really can't do anything about it. And then I, I want to have Pat on um, and Caleb as well to get an update on the Missouri Preservation Act, but I'm pretty sure that's still being attacked, and they're trying to get rid of the teeth of that to where we don't have – we're not the freest gun state, you know? So it's constantly an attack, like you said, and that requires mm-hmm. responsibility that you talked about earlier, which no one, at least my generation from 1989 up – we've never had to fight for freedom. We don't know what it is to have responsibilities that go with the constitution. Right. We don't know what that means. And, and, and that's been the way it's been for, for a long time because they've, they've changed the frame of reference so that we all talk about rights. You know, I have the freedom to do this. I have the right to do this. And, and, you know, they framed it in such a way so that it's, it's all this, this complaining about, about, stuff rather than looking at it and going you know this is my responsibility if 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 i it will not you know if i don't do this it will not get done and you know that's sort of the mentality that that we're going to have to start employing you know and i'm not saying that to be critical of anybody or or you know anything but everybody's got to start looking at it and and figuring out what it is that they can do because not everybody's in a position to, to be able to go to Washington DC on January 6th. Not everybody's in a position to be able to go, you know, to, to the nearest Antifa um, riot and, and try and tell them not to do what they're, what they're trying to do. You know, it's, it's not something that everybody can do, but you no, know, not everybody can make it to the, to the school board meetings. 
or town council meetings. But everybody can do a little bit of something. And if we all sit there and go, if I don't do it, nobody will. If I don't do it, it won't get done. And the next thing you know, you you are there and and you didn't call a whole bunch of people to do it, but the mentality brings people. And when it's one guy standing there saying this stuff to the school board, they can they can, you know, blow them off. But when it's one guy talking to the school board and he says something, and everybody goes exactly. They start clapping and raising their hand. Now the school board is like, oh, well, there's 50 people in here. And, you know, they at least have to put on a public face of saying, you know, well, we've reconsidered our position or something. They may still try and do the same thing, but the pressure builds. Now, suddenly, you know, they're having to fall out of line in a public way. And, you know, the pressure builds and, and the dominoes begin to fall. And that's kind of what we have to, to fight against because people, these politicians and bureaucrats are able to profit from the fact that, that they've been able to steal wealth and freedom from us for a long time and have no real repercussions, you know, no real repercussions to any of that. So is, is the first step. And once again, there's things that I would like to say. There's a, there's a quote in here from Caleb that I'd like to read, but I'm not going to read just cause it, you get into this branch of advocating things and all this anyways. Um, is the first step then, and I hate using this term like woke or wake because it's used in about 15 different ways for whatever your viewpoint is, but in general, is the first step to just preach or inform to other people that we should all want to be involved and have that, hey, this is my responsibility because it's, it's man, it's hard to get people to come together. And yet that's exactly what you need is for everybody to be like, hey, it is my responsibility to make things better. And if I don't do it, nobody else will. But the truth is you have to have other people with that mentality. So is I want to look at it on a more realistic level. We always talk about problems and none of us have solutions. I still don't have a solution, but is a step in the right direction, like what we can do today kind of thing is informing other people of this and trying to get, you know, one soul at a time to... Be like, no, I need to step up and, you know, make a difference and try to help. And then eventually you have enough souls come together that all believe that, that you actually have the ability to do it, whatever that may take. Well, like I said, you see Pat and Caleb and, and the Missouri Liberty Alliance and people alike came together and they made something like that happen in Missouri. They made it the freest gun state in the, in the United States of America where we live. I, you know, like that was a small group of people. And Pat always said it, man. He's like you'd be amazed at what a small army can do or a small group of people, what they're able and capable of doing. Now, what we're talking about, I don't think, I mean, that requires a lot more people than what it no, took. No. You know what I'm saying? And and I'm sorry to say it, and I, this is very dismal of me, and I don't want to go that route, but I think that we're past the point, man. I truly do. I think that the propaganda brainwashing machine that we have in, in, instilled into this society is so advanced and so above what we can even comprehend and what they've done. Well, it's a combination yeah. of that and keeping everybody down to where they're worried about their you know, their noses, about. their noses in their work, their noses yep. in the ground. Hey, yep. I got less than six hundred dollars in my bank yes. account, paycheck that, to paycheck. That's part of it. I have to survive. That's part of it. All of all of the things that they have put in front of us, all of the hills, all of the obstacles are very great and very large. And not only that, but I mean, if you are able to to break through the system, I mean, then you got to worry about your life at that point. I don't know that might be a little tinfoil hat. I don't know, but I mean, Dan, the obstacles, man, are are they're insane. It's insane the the amount of obstacles. And Caleb, I don't know what obstacles you you guys went through with the Missouri Liberty Alliance 
I know you guys said it took like what six or seven years to get SEPA passed through legislation in Missouri. And that's just SEPA. No offense, Caleb. I don't mean oh that's a small thing. But when we're talking about as a nation, right? That's very small. Yeah. It's really good that you guys got that. But oh, I'm yeah. talking as a nation, as a people. You know, like that's a drop in the bucket for like actual cultural political change. But a step in the right direction. Yes. For the oh, for sure. No, uh, exactly. Well, and that's the that's the thing about that's the thing about taking the responsibility. You know, when when you when you say that if I don't do it, it won't get done. You know, that can be a lot of weight to go on and it can be very discouraging. But it also it also, you know, makes it so that when you get those victories, they are that much sweeter and that much more energizing, you know, because really and truly the situation that we're in. The reason they have to keep the screws to us so hard is because it doesn't take that much to energize people to continue moving forward. They need to make sure that we don't go to the school board meetings. They need to make sure that we don't start, you know, doing these 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 meetings where we're meeting with our community to talk about how to make things better. You know, but I'll tell you the the thing that I believe and, you know, and I've said this before to you guys, I think the very first step in all of this is to read the Constitution because. It's great that that everybody wants to do something, but let's face it, if everybody's coming up with their own idea of what it is that we're going to do, we're going to have, you know, 300 million different ideas and nobody's going to be going in the same direction. If we're going to save America, we ought to go, we got to all be going in the same direction. And America is the Constitution. If the Constitution goes away, America ceases to exist, Period. There's no there's 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 no two ways about it. If the Constitution is undermined and destroyed, then America ceases to exist. And the globalists understand that. That's why they have been working so hard to try and not only get us get, you know, ways to destroy and circumvent the Constitution, but also to get us discouraged about it as being something that's useless. But the thing is, is that it's not useless. It's not destroyed, you know. They can they can do and say whatever, but they still have to get around it. You know, that's the bottom line is that, you know, they can they can put mud on it. And, you know, they can do whatever they want. You know, they can spit on it. They can crumple it up and everything. But at the end of the day, they still have to figure out a way to get around it because you and I can sit down and read it and go, oh, no, 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 you're not you're not doing that. You know, these these politicians who voted for these red flag laws are are in for for a a unpleasant surprise as far as the feedback or the or the 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 um, backlash that they're going to get from voting for these because they're absolutely unconstitutional. Red flag log is basically prosecuting you based on a phone call, no evidence, you know, no nothing like that. It's just an open door to allow the the police to come in and unconstitutionally, you know, and full violation of of the fourth amendment to come and seize your property and your person so when it's abs- so when that when the house comes and tries to do sweeping gun legislation they passed it whatever and then the senate's going to vote on it we know it's not going to pass but let's say it did and then the president approved it how does that work because i mean that's that's nothing that i know i mean that's definitely unconstitutional because that goes against the second amendment obviously you know, gun, mm-hmm. gun, uh, gun magazine uh, capacity, yeah. red flag laws, and the list goes on. Um, and assault weapons ban. Um, the house can't. They, they can't. I always love when they say assault weapons. I'm like, right. what does that even mean? They, they can't even. They, they, 
by by law or even by the Constitution, they're not even allow, allowed to allow that type of legislation in the House to even vote on, right? Right. But we let them do it. Yeah. Like these you know, people we, are crazy, bro. They just do whatever they right. want. They're just. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll, pe- tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you what would put a stop to that is if there was a couple more January sixth type events that happened when they started discussing this stuff. They'd stop that. They'd stop that nonsense real quick. You know, they start discussing that stuff and a whole bunch of people come up there and say, no, no, stop right now. Y'all are not discussing that. Which you which. Here leads into the problem of using the Internet and this outlet of media and whatever of communication, because everybody's monitored these days. You can't even have conversations like what you're talking about. And I won't Mm -hmm. branch it out farther than that because you know what I'm saying. But you right. can't openly have those conversations because then you're an enemy of the government mm-hmm. and they will come in and put you away, you know, right. in some way, whether it's financially or actually like physically put you away, whatever it is, they will figure out a way to put you down. And they have made it near impossible to have those types of conversations yep. with other individuals, which well, is your God given right. Right. We've made it impossible because we have continually allowed them to do these things. The FBI is an illegal organization. It's 100 percent illegal. There's not a police. There's not a police force in the United States that is constitutional or legal. None of them. Every city, every every one of these these cities and towns is a corporation. It's not a governmental entity. And those police officers work for that corporation. They have no authority whatsoever, and they constantly violate the constitutional restrictions on on your and my property. You know, in order for anybody to come up and question me or or seize me or or, you know, take or search me or anything like that, they have to have authorization prior to that. Just the act of stopping someone in the process of traveling is illegal. That is not something that the government is allowed to do. And we have allowed that, you know, it's, it's, we, we, and that, and that's the the point that I keep making about why it is that it's so important that we really read the constitution, not pieces at a time and not, you know, just to, to, you know, trace back and, and look and say, you know, well, this is why, this is why they can't pass these reg flag laws because it violates, you know, second amendment and fourth amendment, but read the whole constitution and then come back and go, Oh, well, look at this. You know, the reason that that the Second Amendment's there in the first place is because we're all supposed to have weapons and not just a few. We're all supposed to have weapons so that so that at a moment's notice, we could be capable of defending our our state, our country, our city. You know, we would be able to take action, you know, even as even as a a um, um, a police force, you know, deputized people to go out and and pursue criminals or or to take um take some kind of military action in a in a neighboring state that's that's where we're supposed to be but you know we've we've allowed that to to get taken away from us and it hasn't been it's not just us you know we're sort of at the tail end of this but we still got to take responsibility because pointing the finger back further and further and further doesn't put us you know doesn't make us any progress well you know we're just gonna have to sit there and say okay you know what we did this. In my opinion, and I'm going to take responsibility and say if nobody does it, nobody does anything, it's or if I don't do anything, it's not going to get done. 
In my opinion, I think um, Canada is just a prime example. When you see Trudeau coming out with these, the, and that's legitimately sweeping gun legislation, what's going on in Canada. And Carl, you man, you look tired. <laughs> <laughs> you look tired, but I, I know you love guns, man. But uh, They don't have a constitution or a second amendment. Very true. Or, or do they? I, I'm not entirely sure what they have over there, but it's it's insane what's going on over there. At I mean, least it's not like ours, I guess, right? But well, the, the the thing the thing to remember about about other countries around the world is that is that America is the only place where we have a constitution that was written in the absence of a government. There was no there was no governmental structure here, and well. We had the Articles of Confederation, but basically that had, that had failed. But there was no governmental structure. There was no power in place that, that you know, these, these powered people came and, and, you know, parlayed and made negotiations and traded things off and said, you know, I'll give you this piece of territory and you allow me to do this. It wasn't anything like that. No, we did the Constitution so we could govern ourselves. Yeah, people had the power. Right, right. And that's why the Constitution, I mean, the Constitution could have very easily said, we, the authors of the Constitution, but, you know, but it says we, the people. I, I agree with that. But so when it pertains to Canada and they're so close to home, which is what scares me, and you see Trudeau coming out and I'd have to read the, the, all the legislation, but basically, I don't know when it goes into effect, but no one else will be able to purchase, is it, I don't think, any weapons at all unless you own them. Mm -hmm. And if you own them, you're fine, but I think you can still have them for hunting only, hunting and I think, I don't know what the other reason was. But to me, what that says, Dan, is one, I think Biden, <clears throat> and you see right after that what they're trying to do in the House and what they're trying to pass. But I think that, like, as each generation gets, you know, younger and younger, you're, they're, they're all, it seems to me, kind of for gun legislation. So I think whenever, yeah. whenever I get older, and I'm talking probably 50 to 100 years from now, gun legislation is probably something in the Second Amendment that might be gone in the United States in 100 years because... They're slowly using that propaganda machine for these younger generations to where it'll be a lot easier. They have these. I'll give you that. Yeah, they, they have all these mm -hmm. things in place. We, the people, they have the Second Amendment in place that protects it. And yes, America has all these things that other countries don't, but they don't necessarily. It's a it's a long game for them. And they're willing to take this long game and try and, and bite at it like a shark every chance they get to, even though they know they might not be able to get the, the prey at that time. But eventually they will get it. No, I could. I, I never thought about it that way, but I could 100% see that because you take, right now, if they were to try to, like, do red flag laws all over the United States, multiple different states and all this, come in, take people's guns and stuff, it would never work, right? Because of the amount of gun owners who would say no. I mean, I would say no at my front door. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to have to take my life. Like, we're going to have to fight, I guess, is what's happening because it's not going down like that. And there'd be a ton of other people like me who were doing that same thing. But you're right, Paul. If the propaganda machine moves on and younger generations are like, oh, we're, you know, we're against guns and I have no reason to go buy one and I never want to and all that, eventually when we're all long and, you know, we're dead and in the ground, like, they will get away with it. Yeah, 100%. Well, you know, and, and they have been doing the long game. I mean, that's one of the things, one of the, one of the points that I was going to make with, with, you know, other countries and, and the Constitution is that, all other countries are authoritarian countries. The government, the government, when we talk about an authoritarian government, the government is the source of its own authority. That's what makes it authoritarian. So, so when Trudeau and the government passes this whole legislation about guns, 
It's the government that's going to have the discussion back and forth within itself about whether they're going to do anything about it. You know, the people can bitch and moan and fuss and complain all they want. And if the, you know, if they get in up in arms enough, you know, maybe over in Winnipeg, they'll stop doing it. But in all the other provinces, they'll do it. And then they'll pressure Winnipeg into doing it. And that's what they've been trying to employ here. In other countries, they can do it much more quickly because there's no restrictions on the government, no matter what the law says and no matter what, you know, kind of pseudo constitution they pretend to have. They don't. We have something different. And that's why it's taken so long. But it has been a long game. You know, I mean, even even though, you know, I was talking about from 1800 to 1900, all this great stuff with with the United States. There was still an effort to undermine and destroy our Constitution at that time. These wave of immigrants that we had over and over again, that was not a benefit to the country. That was not something that that was that was good for us. That was authoritarian countries in Europe and and people here in this country that were plotting against our government that wanted to flood the system with people who were not Americans. They wanted to flood the system and overwhelm Americans and make it so that these people would start voting in the way that they were raised and not with our constitution and not along on those lines. What they didn't count on was that these people were so excited about being in America that they actually started learning about it and started taking up the whole cause of America. So it backfired on them, which is why in the sixties they changed over to only importing these, these people from third world countries, you know, that have no European background that have no, European historical thing in common with most Americans. You know, they're used to being second class citizens. Most of these people who come over here. They're used to that. That's the that's the the mentality they have. So when you start talking to them about rights and restrictions on the government, that's so foreign. That is such a foreign concept to them that it, it doesn't even compute. Yeah, you know, just... it's not even something that 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 has any place to register with them. So they yeah. become a de facto force to undermine our constitution. Yeah, because so they're, they're getting voting right. rights. They're getting... And it keeps going along, and they keep pushing it. They keep pushing and pushing and pushing, and more and more people are buying into that. But but we have the opportunity, and this is why this is why our grandchildren's grandchildren are going to remember our names, is because we're going to hold the line on that stuff. We're going to be the ones who say that's enough. The constitution says this. You're not allowed to do that. You know. You, you're going to have to take a step back and, and get in line with the Constitution, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, we are a little bit over the hour, Dan, um, and Carl looks extremely tired. I, Carl, oh, no, let's keep going. <laughs> all right. I feel bad, right. Carl. You, you've had, like, no, no, no chance for input. But oh, no, I'm all right. I'm learning. Learning things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, just, I, I, like, I mean it, it is over the hour. I don't like to go too long over it because just for – uploading yeah, purposes yeah, stuff yeah. like that it's always mm-hmm. uh i don't know if you guys have any lasting thoughts but dan i kind of want to end it on that it's been a good podcast man and i and again the longer it is it's just i don't know we don't have the audience yet that's willing to listen to it for that long you know what i'm saying so do uh do any of you guys in the comments caleb uh gun Gun-i? gunner gunai i don't know how to say it i'm sorry and mike like do you guys have any questions for dan specifically not for us but for dan yeah and I'll give that a second because it's, you know, we're probably like on a delay or whatever. So I'll right. we'll comment in a moment. But Dan, thank you for, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Well, thanks for inviting me. I love coming on with you guys. It's always a good, it's always a good discussion. It's always, you know, a good time. I love this stuff. You know, I mean, hell, we could do a six hour marathon, man. I'd, <laughs> I'd be down for that. 
<laughs> no, I'm ready for the longer podcast too. And going live, honestly, I just it gets me going, and I want to keep going. I, I, but I mean, it, it sucks need, that we need the the people. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, but I, it also sucks that it's a disservice to us if we don't get watch time, and we won't get put through the oh, algorithms yeah. if people aren't watching a lot of minutes of our video. Well, I was just going to say that it sucks that we can't record or live stream and talk openly. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not going too far. I'm just saying that there's. It, right. Conversa- the whole talk junkies in general, just the idea of talking, the idea of conversating as human beings means you should have the freedom to talk about whatever you want without that being like a call to arms or a call to action kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the Internet and companies such as YouTube, Google, the government, all this don't see it that way. You know what I mean? As to where I'm like, right. I just want to have a conversation with you about stuff that I'm literally, even though I have freedom of speech, I'm not openly able to talk about. Right, because we can't hop in our car and go meet at the corner bar or nothing like that. You know, we're right. far enough apart that, that, you know, this is the probably the, the easiest way or the most convenient way that we could have this conversation. Yeah. You know, I mean, we should be allowed to do that without restrictions, you know, and be able to, to allow other people to, to you know, participate to some extent in the conversation as well if that's what we choose to do because let's face it youtube faces no liability at all for anything that's put on this channel nothing they're not they're not liable for any of this stuff but yet they want to censor what it is that we're allowed to say or that you guys are allowed to say on on your channel they want to censor that under the idea that somehow it affects their advertisers or it affects this or it affects that it's like no, it, it doesn't. It doesn't have any effect on you at all. As a matter of fact, it's kind of stupid that you would do that because, you know, YouTube is a library. This is what I talk to people about all the time. It's like YouTube is a library. Well, why would you have a library? It that, used that, it used to that, be. Yeah, it used to be. Mm-hmm. Now it's well, now it's, it now it is an advertising money making machine. You know what I mean? Now it is very much. I always. This is the conversation I used to have with uh, Jesse and Paul a lot that we disagreed on, but I was like, at the end of the day, you sign the terms of service yep. that says, Hey, we can make you not talk about what we want. I'm talking about like Facebook right now, but like mm-hmm. you sign the terms of service saying, Hey, you're not allowed to talk about this, or it doesn't specifically say that, but it says, Hey, if you talk about these things, you're on our platform. We have every right to shadow ban you, to shut you down, to delete your account, to do whatever we want. And you've said it, it's a private company. Right. It is a private company, All and they, they can do that because we're well, using their... They, they, they can, they can, but really and truly, I mean, if you if you step back and you take a look at it, they're interfering in, in relationships and networks that they have, that they did nothing to create. You know, they're an empty, they're an empty software, you know, platform that does nothing. I created a network. People who wanted to hear what I had to say or wanted to argue with me or wanted to strenuously object to, to what I was saying, those are the people who saw what I, what I was saying. And the fact that, that Facebook chose to interject, that they chose to put themselves in the middle of that, that's... that's. I will say, funny. not to go against you here, but I will say that they did do the one thing of giving a platform. And there's you no, there's no you be on that platform. There's no looking beyond that. There is the fact that YouTube is a platform, Facebook is a platform. They have given you the, I hate using the, they have given you the soapbox to help form that network. Could you do it on your own? Yes, you 100% could. You'll start your own website. But they have given you the, the ease of access. So they have at least provided Streamlined that. Streamlined it. Well, yeah. the, the, well, here's the thing is that, is that and this, this 
can't be this can't be discounted is that is that Facebook didn't actually build anything except a software platform. I'm one of the people, and I don't know when you guys got on Facebook, but I got on Facebook fairly early. So I'm one of the people that actually built Facebook because Facebook is just this small little program that sits on a computer. It does nothing. Oh, I get what you're Without saying. Like you help the yeah. people are what build it up into the networking yeah. that it is. Hundred percent agree. First getting on, yeah. When I was first getting on on Facebook, I was doing you know, just goofy, you know, social stuff and playing games and doing all this stuff. And I was encouraging people to join. And so, you know, it was people like me and probably people like you that were building that network. You know, Facebook didn't do any of that. They couldn't. I mean, I, I grew up in the in the period where we used to have uh, what was called bulletin board systems. You know, I used to have a, a, a whole like Facebook setup on a computer that I ran from my house and people would dial into it and and play games and do all that stuff and then you know log back out and you know they had we had discussion boards and, and all that stuff but it was all local it was a small number of people you know you couldn't really build a whole network with that without the internet you know and who is it that built the internet they said you and i built the internet because our tax dollars are what paid for it and our tax dollars are what you know built the whole thing you know, and Facebook is is profiting off of the expenditures that we made to do that. And then the network that we created by joining up and talking to each other. And now they want to limit that. Yeah, it's frustrating. So, so we'll leave it with one last question. Sorry. Like I said, I don't want to go too long. Eventually, I'm down to get into those. But as Gun I said, is he doesn't have so much a question for you, Dan, but he wants your thoughts on people wanting big government. What do you? What are your well, thoughts? There's, there's there's plenty of people who want big government because they think government solves problems, but all it does is it it gives you this this feeling that they're going to take care of your fear, and they they don't. You know, we're going to pass this law. Well, the law doesn't do anything. We're going to add more cops. Well, the cops don't do anything. You know, the law does not stop criminals, and and the cops will never be there in time for the crime. You know, the only way that we stop crime is when we're all police officers. We're all in the militia, we're all armed, we're all ready, and we're all ready to take action in favor of our neighbor. Like, you know, we've talked about this a few times before. You know, I see something happening at your house, Paul, and I come over there to see what's going on, and you can freely tell me, Dan, you know what, it's none of your business. I'm like, fair enough, Paul, I'm gone. Or I come over there and you go, I need some help. I'm like, dude, ready for it, let's, let's get busy. Let's find out what's happening, let's take care of this. And that's when it's that's when things are going to stop happening. That's when this, you know, the, the problem of crime and all this fear that everybody has is when our neighbors are looking out for each other and people are not looking out to the government to handle all of these problems because that just puts things further and further out. I agree 100 percent. You expect you know, the more you expect the government to do, the less responsible you want to be. You know, that's the that's the big kicker with it. Rock on. Well, uh, next week is Father's Day. Um, I'm not sure. And I know that. Uh, oh yeah, I was gonna. I won't be able to be here. Yeah, for know, Father's Day. I know you two. Uh, you probably won't be. Probably there. now. Yeah. Um, if you're if you're down, Dan, we I, I'm down to do another podcast next week. Uh, we could have Caleb on. Um, if it, 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 we could we could shoot the shit, man. Caleb said he has some questions, but it's too much to put in writing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. If you're open, man, just shoot me a text and let me know. Uh, I'm down to do it again next week. Just let me know, my man. Well, we'll have to see. we'll have to see. I might be able to do that, but I might be traveling uh, next week. I'll have to see and and, uh, uh, and see. But I'd be down for that if I'm available. Yeah. 
Cool. Let me know. And then Caleb, just I'll shoot you a text. I got your number, man. And we, we could we could have a really good podcast because uh, Caleb over there, they, they, they have a really good following uh, with the Missouri. They changed the name. He, Missouri Freedom Initiative. Missouri Freedom Initiative. I believe. Initiative, sorry yeah. if I butchered that, Caleb. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe if Pat is, is in, if maybe if Pat's ready, maybe he could join as well. It'd be fucking awesome. We should just, you should get on here sometime and you be like Joe Rogan and you just mediate and then it could be Caleb, Pat and Dan all talking and you just chill in the background (laughs) and let it happen. Hell yeah. That would be dope. Uh, Dan, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, gun eye, Mike, uh, Caleb, thanks for tuning in, man. It's, it's awesome. Thank you guys for being a part of our first live stream. Uh, I don't care how many people watch. It could be zero. I'm going to fucking live stream every single week, baby. <laughs> you should, man. You've got the ability to do it now, yeah. you know, and we'll get better at it as far as like figuring out what you need to do with thumbnail, right. title, all that jazz, blah, blah, blah. Definitely. Definitely. Yep. Sounds good. Well, uh, thank well, you. you. Congratulations. And thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, Dan. I uh, hope you guys liked and, and enjoyed this video. Uh, the best thing you can do for Talk Junkies is like, subscribe, and share this to every contact in your phone. You know, just open up your phone. Once we're done, you press share, select all. And that's the best thing that you could do for Talk Junkies and spread the message on how the Constitution can protect America and make it a better place overall. Tell our junkies out there. Stay fly. And ring the bell. And then this is the awkward part where Paul shuts off the stream. Johnny does finger guns. So don't don't do anything on that, Paul. What'd you do? Okay, that works too. You might have to end it from uh YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, it should yeah, it's over. I think people can still be in the chat and talk. I have no idea. I know you can on Twitch, but I don't know how that works on YouTube. So like Twitch yeah. After you're done streaming, people can still stay in the chat yeah. and keep talking. I don't know if that's a thing on YouTube or not. Well, hell, I'll tell you right now because I got the YouTube app on my phone. Yeah, Caleb said they got sued by Roy Blunt for having Missouri Missouri Liberty Alliance. So now they're <laughs> Missouri Freedom. Wait, I thought, Caleb, I don't know if you're still in the, oh, well, it doesn't matter. You can't see yeah, us. You can't, you can't yeah. talk to us. No, so huh? I thought, and I. Right, yeah. The, I yeah. can't talk to you guys anymore on the, on the YouTube yeah. Oh, you can't like type in it or whatever. Yeah, I think I think it just closes it out. Oh, experimenting time. I'm gonna type something. There we go. I mean, we, shit, we hit 16 views. It's not bad for our first live stream. I'll take it. That's pretty cool. That just felt so good. So did my divide. Comments show up or not? So I got Carl's that says meow. (laughs) (laughs) On the live chat? Yeah. And I put one that says chat still work even though the live stream is done? Question mark. Seeing if anybody else is. They they probably bounced. There it is. Hmm. Yours just popped up. They probably bounced. I think you can if you're still in the room. Yeah. yeah, If you stay in the chat room. But the moment you exit it, I don't think you can come back to it kind of thing. Yeah, because I just left a comment on the video itself. I can. That's yeah. That's so you can't enter the live chat anymore. Like if you're already still in it, you can keep talking. But after that, it's now on the actual video, so it would be a comment on the video. Wow. Right. That makes sense. Learning things. I've never used YouTube to stream before, so 
I'm going to pull my dick out next time. Bet you won't. <laughs> that, we got to do that on Twitch. Yeah, I got to get them big, them big streamer dollars, pull out my titties. All right, boys. Well, I'm going to let you go. Thanks so, again for having me on for your first live stream. Uh, thanks for being a part, man. Thanks for coming that. on, Dan. Always a pleasure to have yeah, you yeah, on. I like, I like talking to you. Guys. Sorry, I'm yeah. not Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Carl's got some good stuff to say a lot of the times. There's just once in a while. It happens. We he talked looks, about this. You look tired as fuck, Carl. We, I didn't use my breathing apparatus last night. We talked about this outside. There's some podcast where sometimes you just don't, you know what I mean? Like Carl didn't say, there's podcasts where I don't say anything, where I'm quiet the entire time and I might have one question. Like it just, it happens. Yeah, we did. There's, there's been ones that, that we've done that has been like that. Yeah, where it's just Jesse and Paul the whole time and I don't say anything, or it's just Jesse and me the whole time and Paul doesn't say anything. This is like my wife talking me up after I jizz in two seconds. You guys are like, yeah, I'm really helping you out You're with your helping confidence. Me up my confidence yeah. now. Well, I was figuring. I was figuring that, you know, probably what happened was, I said, I said that you were not Jesse one too many times, <laughs> so you got your feelings hurt. Yeah, that's exactly what got, yep. got all in his feels. <laughs> I was hoping uh, you wouldn't notice. All right, boys. We well, all have a good night, and I will talk to you later. Do the same, have a good night, Dan. Cheers. Later, Dan. I gotta piss on my cock. <laughs>